Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 111. Now, some of you are on that grind trying to get to five or 10,000 followers on IG before you reach out and try to work with a brand. Now, on the other hand, it's a bit of a wild west out there. And right now we're seeing and hearing more and more folks who have got 50 or 100 followers and they're reaching out and looking for free product and looking for brands to work with them. So what we want to do today is just talk about where the balance is between the value that you add to a brand versus what they give to you and what it all looks like for everybody out there. And regardless of how many followers you have, we both know that you probably still need tools and some supplies in your shop. Um, and we are super stoked to let you know and continually know that this year we're, we're excited to be working with Woodcraft. Uh, if you're not familiar, Woodcraft is one of the nation's oldest and largest suppliers of quality woodworking tools and supplies. I have stores in over 70 cities across the United States and a beautiful website. Uh, and, and Woodcraft is both mine and Brad's go-to uh, supply store for, for woodworking tools and consumables. So if you're one of our listeners, you have the advantageous opportunity to get some free shipping on anything within the lower 48 using the code MFP, all caps, at checkout. Get whatever you need besides heavy tools shipped to your door for free at woodcraft.com. Um, and once again, we want to thank Woodcraft for supporting the show. And regardless of how many followers you guys have, you could definitely still go buy tools. I'm, I'm well yeah, aware of that. You, I'm, get, I'm definitely you could have one follower. Tools. You still get free shipping. Oh, yeah. Forget free tools. Don't, you get free shipping. Don't. Yeah. We're giving you free <laughs> all day here on MFP. Guess what? You, you've got don't two million followers? followers you have. Dwayne Johnson. Rock, you get free shipping too. Yeah. Doesn't matter how many followers you have. We're yes, still going to give you free shipping. All yes, right. Sir. Awesome. Before we do get into it, we do want to thank a few new members that joined the MFP Patron Tribe this week. We had Coffee Custom Builds and PTWR Makes. Thank you so much for supporting us, guys. Uh, if you do want to support the show, you can get some great rewards and head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit. All right. Dude, speaking of profit and tools and freebies and all that stuff. I, I thought this topic was kind of cool because uh, it, it came up in the uh, patron tribe, I think originally, or maybe that was actually in the main the main Facebook group that it came up in. Uh, a conversation about, you know, hey, how much, how many followers do you need? Or, you know, that we've also had some feedback from people who work a little bit closer with brands who are like, you wouldn't believe some of the requests that are out there. So like, you know, we get, we get it from both sides. So we know we've talked to the brands who say, you know, I get hundreds and hundreds of messages like a week, if not a day about people asking for free product and you wouldn't believe how they ask for it, <laughs> how many followers they have, you know, some being very, some being, you know, tens of thousands of followers and being very meek about it and others having under a hundred and being very aggressive about it. So uh, we thought it was a good topic just to kind of talk through because uh, you know, it's, it's changed a lot, John. I think we talked, what we talked about this probably two years ago, but things have changed a lot uh, in the past two years and in the Instagram landscape and just, just how many people and like, you know, what, 
a thousand followers today means versus a thousand followers two years ago. Same type of thing, you know? Yeah. And, and that's kind of why we wanted to jump into the topic, because as we know, a lot of our listeners are growing some really solid followings and we have both ends of the spectrum. We have follow, we have accounts that are asking us, you know, hey, I have a very small number and I asked this brand to work together and and how should that look? And on the other side of it, like, hey, I just hit this milestone and I'm looking to have a you know, reach out to this kind of brand and how should that look? And so we thought the topic could definitely be be something to vibe on a little bit more because we we want to see our listeners get the most value as they can out of any relationship in, in any type of business setting that they're having. And what can definitely happen here is getting taken advantage of as well as devaluing your brand. So we've seen the spectrum of Instagram change a ton, ton, ton. Over the past Ton, past two five two thousand pounds, you know, and and what's incredible is that uh, the the numbers <laughs> are like it's the same metric valuation, right? Followers equals you know exposure. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not as like black and white as it may have used to be has been, right? And so in the past, I know I could reach out to a brand and say, "Hey, I'm so and so. I got this many followers. I'd love an opportunity to work together," and they'd say, "Eh." You know, we're we're only looking to work with influencers over X number. It was very random that rare that that would happen. But like now it's there's so many influencers. There's so many people trying to bring influence that you see like <clears throat> some brands want to stay small and go wide and work with only free tools. Some brands just want to work with top level paid influencers. Some brands want to balance both. And uh, and I think that that's kind of where we're trying to. I guess, weighed the scope of, you know, what's kind of happening in that, that whole mess of things in order to bring you guys the most value. So, you know, to, to, to start out, um, I've, I've said it on the show before and I'll say it again. I, I got into being an influencer because I wanted free tools. Like there's no shame in wanting free. I love, free tools. <laughs> I have a truck. I might have even have to pause the podcast today because I have a delivery of free tools coming. Of free tools coming. And like, so <laughs> there's Johnny nothing. eats free tools for breakfast. I want to start with that and just let everyone know that there's nothing wrong with playing the game for free tools. Absolutely nothing yeah. wrong. And, and I think the, the thing too is that when you first started out, uh, it wasn't, I think it worked in, in reverse, right? Like you, you were like, oh, hey, I've, I've like got this following and I'm making furniture for a living and so it wasn't like oh this is cool and i want to gain it's like dude this is gonna like help me make more tables faster if i have an extra set of drills that i can keep one chucked up with a phillips one with a torx bit and you know one with a you know whatever else in it one with a drill drill driver in it um that it would help you out versus being like oh for the novelty of posting that oh i got a free tool from xyz right i mean that was like going straight towards your productivity yeah. And that's kind of how I looked at it. I was like, man, I'm pretty broke. And like, these tools are expensive, but growing a following is free. It's, it's just about effort. So I was like, well, I could put a ton of effort in. I just don't know if I'm going to get the return as far as like, I need a new miter saw. <laughs> well, that costs $600 if you want a solid one. So how can I make that up and vice versa? So I looked at it exactly like you said, how can I create opportunities to bring exposure to brands in order to increase my productivity? And I think the first brand deal I ever did was with a glove company. And that was awesome. I needed gloves because I was working with a ton of reclaimed wood. It fit nicely. I got a little bit of experience. <clears throat> and then from there, I rolled that kind of into to Lincoln. I think I worked with Craig a little bit. And those are some of the early brands where I was, I was looking for value adding to my business as well as to them. 
right? So I brought them a story with what I was doing. I brought them some exposure with my audience and I also was adding value back to my brand. Um, it wasn't so much like a chest puff, like, woo, look at me, I'm getting, you know, free whatever. It was right. more like, how can I turn the opportunity to get free stuff into a way to make more money for my business or to make better product for my clients? Because that was a huge, huge thing too, is like, you know, I, I, I was taking, I don't know, whatever, whatever money I was getting and dumping it into getting better tooling and better tooling in a lot of instances um, does help you uh, get, you know, create, excuse me, create a better product. Um, right. That's something that was hugely important to me was, you know, getting something as good as I possibly could out to. Right. Clients. But I think that's an, it, that's a, like an important part to start with is like, why do you want the free product? Like, do you just want any free product or are you looking for a specific, that's different too, right? It's like, so let's take your example. Like you want a miter saw. Um, you know, why do you want a miter saw? Well, because maybe you had an old 10 inch, you know, shop master that had a huge amount of run out and just didn't have the capacity that you needed. So like, Hey, I want a 12 inch slider that I can cross cut 14 inches with whatever. Like there's something here. And then maybe you have two or three that fit that bill, right. Of brands that you would like to work with. So because the flip side is like, so why do you want it? Do you want it just for the capacity or do you want it because you're trying to build a relationship and you're targeting a company that you've really enjoyed working with? Because I think those are two very different things because uh, that kind of starts this conversation that we're going to go through is like, why are you trying to do this? Are you trying to build your influence and show that you work with people? Are you trying to build a deep relationship with a certain company or are you just trying to get as much free product as you can to you know make your shop better? And you don't really care if it's blue, yellow, red, or green. You know, I think that's an interesting thing because uh, if you start down that road, and then all of a sudden you're getting stuff from seventeen different companies, uh, you know, you're not really building deep relationships with any of them. Yeah, and that's kind of where things can go south. There's also companies that make very let's just categorize them as DIY and then pro level product. Well, if you're trying to portray yourself as a pro level influencer using DIY product because it's on the market, there so some certain brands are trying to get wider and they're trying to get more exposure, but you're selling your stuff to your, you know, audience as you're this like crazy professional that only uses the highest end product, you can see where confusion can come in your content as well. And I think both of those marry to tool brands, they marry to consumable brands, oh, they marry Absolutely. And and so I mean like for You see how many I mean how many times have you seen that? It goes the other way too, right? Oh yeah, because as soon as soon as somebody sees Festool, they're like, "Oh, whatever, uh, dude." Yeah. Nose, like, yeah, 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 noses straight in the air, right between or their legs. Yeah. On the flip side of it, if somebody sees Black and Decker or even you know Ryobi, that people are like, "Oh, you don't know what you're talking about," right. like that. Exactly. It's like it, it, it's the full spectrum. I think that is very true, uh, and it's <laughs> it is kind of polarizing uh, when you look at it that way. That's a that is a, a great takeaway because what the tools that you use in your shop portray something about your shop, whether that's through stereotypes or through, you know, the because let's be real, right? You can somebody using Ryobi tools and festival tools, a good craftsman, craftswoman can make the same thing. It might be way harder. Uh, I don't believe Ryobi has a track saw, so you might be way harder. Yeah, it might be putting off a lot more dust, uh, but the tools don't make the craftsman. The craftsman make the tools work yes. for them. But that's not how it works in social media. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a stigma. Yeah. Ryobi and, and Festool are both green, but those are very different greens. Yeah. So 
I think what you what you can see there is like that how working with a brand in order to build a deep relationship is where you want to put your value. Right. Um, and and both of us do that with several of the brands we work with. And both of us turn down opportunities to work with other brands. Um, and so because of that, um, you know, you have to be weighing the way you're perceived with the brands you're working with when you start to look at uh, working with them. And that's even if they're sending you free product. Um, we've have uh, there's a lot of consumables on the market that I know are lower level uh, type consumables. They're cheaper, they're more affordable, um, and they're not bad. They're just not pro grade level stuff. And I know that these brands they're constantly reaching out to me, and and I literally look at my type of work that I make, and I'm like, I can't use your product. Like I just I just can't. It is not. <laughs> it's going to take me twice as long to use your product in order to make what I'm making. I'm sorry, but. I'm going to have to pass on these opportunities. And I think that a lot of the influencers that are starting to get in the free product game don't look at that. Don't look at things that way. You know, they look at things and go free product. Hell yeah. You know, uh, get, send it in all day long. And, and, and I, and I want to uh, caution anyone that's looking to get into this, this kind of game to, to, to look at the type of brand you're trying to build, not so much the brand you're trying to work with. Um, and make sure that you're not saying yes to everything because it, it can be uh, confusing for your audience as well as devaluing to your end consumer if you're selling custom goods um, by doing working with certain brands specifically and, and making things a certain way uh, just in order to get free product. I hope right. I'm trying if to be like non-specific but specific and not <laughs> like because because a lot of the brands make fantastic product. There's just pro level and there's you know. Not pro life. Right. And, and well, and it's, I think a lot, most of it goes to, um, and it is like the, the brand portrayal as far as uh, your own brand. Uh, I think the biggest thing that as an influencer, and again, we're straddling the line here, right? So if you're, if you're running your full-time business is making products, uh, tables, dressers, whatever, and you are an influencer on the side, which a lot of our folks are, right? They're running that and they're trying to figure out how that works. But the the game, the end game is selling physical goods. Um, you know, I, I don't know that people care what you're using for when they're buying the product, but it's it's more that social side, right? And how does that come across? Uh, so if you're ever, it's it's way more important if you're wanting to become a quote unquote influencer, a YouTuber, you know, somebody who gets a large portion of their income through working with brands. That's when I think it becomes even more important because then uh, how you portray yourself to your audience and it's really about authenticity and, and trust with your audience, right? I mean, that's kind of what we're, we're getting at here is, is that does your audience trust what you're doing? Because if you're flip-flopping between, like John's saying, and they're like, well, wait a minute. Yeah, he was using this, uh, whatever. Let's just make something up. He was using this $500 sandpaper before and now... All of a sudden, you know, company X sent him this box of five dollar sandpaper and he's using that all day. And he's like, but I've used both of those and I know the five dollar sandpaper is like way worse than the other one. So why did he change? And then like all of a sudden now there's this question of trust and there's this erosion of like, well, so what other stuff is this guy saying that, you know, has been influenced by a company because they send him free whatever? You know, does he really like that finish? Does he really like that glue? Yeah. Does he really like that nail driver? What you know, whatever it is. I don't. What's a nail? A hammer? Would that be a hammer? Nail driver? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> the nail driver. I like that. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's where the piece is. Is that uh, you? You have to be consistent with your brand, and you have to be consistent with uh, what you're portraying, in the sense that 
what you're working and whether you're using DIY grade or pro grade, it doesn't matter. No. As long as like that's what you believe in and that's what you're making your products with and that's the quality that you, that you're good with and that you know you expect and that when it like when the camera goes off, that's the worst, right, John? That would be the worst case scenario. You you're using the five dollar paper on your Instagram feed. And then as soon as that camera goes away, you're whipping out the $500 stuff to finish up your tables because it works yeah. 10 times as fast. And I've done that. And I've had like, you know, we both worked with a brand that signed us up for a non-compete for a little bit of time after that deal went. And it happened to be a finished company. And I had to not use in any content the finishes in which I actually preferred because I was a sucker and took a deal. And like it, it ended up being more of a detriment to, to my brand. So I, I'm... I'm I'm always weary to be like, hey, that brand's awesome. Dive in. Um, but I wasn't kidding at the top of the show. I, I do have a delivery coming. So I'm gonna take a break here for one <laughs> because it's one second. It's gonna be one second on the podcast. Just one. Okay. One quick one. It, yeah, it's just gonna be one quick second. Yeah. Go ahead, John. One. I'm just gonna keep going. You keep going. You can riff. Uh yeah, you go. I'm gonna riff. So I think it's it's interesting what you know John brings up because uh John <laughs> John was always the uh He's always been the product guy uh, as far as like, you know, he he's getting deliveries all the time. If you've been following John on Instagram for a while, he does get a lot of tools from a lot of different companies. Uh, but he when you look at what he's getting, they're almost all the the top end high value uh, products and companies. And because that's you know, what what he's centered his business around. And so, you know, I, I find it really interesting in hearing his comments about that, because talking about the finishing uh, and you know, we, we both worked with a company, which it was a finish I was already using and I still use. Uh, but yes, when you, when you sign up for a company, there's other things like, do they send you free products? So, and we'll get into that when John gets back here in just a second. But the main idea is like, what is your obligation to them and what do they have or what are they giving you? And what is your obligation to them as far as using it? And is that contractual? Is it just, uh, you know, understood? Is it actually written down? And there's a there's a whole spectrum there. So head him back. There he is. Not a big deal. Just two pallets that randomly showed up all of a sudden. See, you gotta love balancing, getting things shipped, and then they just don't listen when you ask for them. Hashtag owning a business. I'm like, oh, send it between one and four, please. No problem. <laughs> what time is it? It's eleven. That's right. And that's what happens. So it's like, what does that company owe you? And that's the segue I'm going to roll back into what I was what I was starting to talk about is what do you owe a company? So you get the free stuff, right? And we're hitting on the the tools that you get. And and what what is that ownership of responsibility that you have? Right. So it's like, OK, let's say yeah. you get you get a, a miter saw from a company Um uh, you know, what, what does that look? So during the ask, and that, I think that's also something that people struggle with is like, okay, they sent it to me. Now they feel obligated. Uh, I, I would, I would say instead of asking for product, I would propose, you know, basically a, a relationship or a transaction of like, Hey, I'd love to get this. I plan on using this. I'm going to show this in three Instagram posts and a few stories. And so that it's very clearly stated, right? So it's like, you give me this, I give you that. Because that's what business transactions are all about. It's like, what does one party give the other party? And what do they get for it? So what's that transaction? What's the exchange? And that's what any business transaction should have in it. Yeah. It's like, who are the people and what do they owe each other? And at what time frame? So as you do that, uh, I think going in, if you are getting product, 
if somebody's, if you're asking for product or somebody's saying, hey, we want to send you product, I would make it very, very clear what the expectation is. So if, if you get offered the product, you can say, okay, cool. Yeah, I'd love to have it. Um, you know, what are, what are the expectations? I would lead straight off with that. What are the expectations? And if you're asking for it, I would lead with expectations after, you know, once you agree that like, yeah, I can get it. Be like, hey, here's what I can get. Uh, I'll give you this many posts because what you don't want to have is like that feeling, right, John, that it's like, oh, because I know we both had it in the past. Like we've gotten stuff, oh, yeah. uh, especially as we were newer and unsure about how to how to handle this. It was like, dude, they just sent me like six hundred dollars worth of stuff. Like what I feel like I like wh- how many do how many posts should I do about this? Like, what do I owe them? Because it was just unwritten and something just showed up, you know? Yeah. And I feel like if it's like a, a big brand like it, like you just want to go above and beyond to make them happy too. You're like, Oh my goodness. I can't believe they said yes to sending me something. Like I need to do everything in my power to do something. And, um, what happens is you either, you either set a completely unattainable expectation or in your head, which is typically you what you do, right? You overdo yeah. it and you overdo it or you sell out your brand in order to facilitate something that brand's looking for because nothing was clearly outlined. So like, for instance, Brad and I both do a little bit of tool reviewing, tool usage. Um, if, but most of you probably don't know if you just follow me on Instagram that I have probably 40 tool reviews on my website. And it's not something I promote. Um, I let SEO kind of push and drive that aspect of my business. And I don't promote that on Instagram. So a brand looking to work with me as far as product placement or free tooling might go on Instagram specifically, if they're looking for like reviews and tags and sponsors, like I don't do that. That would be against like what my brand is typically about now, unless it's something I feel is valuable to my audience. And so like in, in a sense, like I recently did a post on a Merca sander because everyone's used to seeing me with festival sanders. Why? Well, they're a comparable sander and they wanted to work together. Um, I have multiple people in the shop, so I need multiple sanders. I was like, why not? And it gives me an opportunity to add uh, a bit of, uh, I guess, perspective in that world for me. And, um, I had dozens of people DMing me and asking questions and asking questions on posts that I put out there about the difference. And I was able to give value to the people looking for it. Um, and so it may have seemed like a little bit of a sellout for my brand, but in that instance, I felt like it, it really wasn't. Now, if that was a, something that may have happened, that was say uh, a tool company that was not at that like super high end pro grade level, for me to do something in that sense, uh, I just don't feel like it would have been as valuable to my audience, which is, you know, something that I hold close to my chest. So those expectations were set beforehand. I was like, look, I'll do a post. would love to have your product in my shop. And then I can give you actual feedback as a brand. So that's another valuable aspect as an influencer you need to be considering is that you don't always have to pitch them on deliverables. You don't always have to pitch them on you get one blog post, two Instagram posts, a swipe up, uh, a YouTube video review, um, and five Pinterest pins. Like you don't have to always go that route with things. You could just say, uh, you could just give things like you know my, the product will passively be placed in my content for a year with within this contract's uh, you know date, and from there, if you guys, I'll be able to give you guys feedback if you're looking to do any giveaways or anything. Like you can go that route too. Um, but let's let's be never clear, never want to. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, you never want to just start with that though. You never yeah. you always want to just add value immediately whenever you can. Like if you're willing to, if your brand is something that you enjoy working with new tools and talking about them on your feed, like go right ahead. 
and give those offers. Just set those expectations clearly because like Brad said, and like I was touching on, if you if you happen to get some free tools from a company you weren't expecting, you feel obligated to go above and beyond and then you're selling out your brand and you're wondering why you're getting less engagement on posts. And that stuff's very common. If you uh if you, if you start changing up your content style because just because you got a new tool and you're trying to, you know, make it valuable to the company. So, so just be aware of that because that happens a ton. Um, and set those expectations up front. Right. And and I, I was just hitting on, I, I thought you were pausing there as you were wiping the sweat from your face, but uh, you just kept talking right through your shirt. No that pause. Was great. Through yeah. the <laughs> uh, what I was going to say was that uh, that uh, what we're not saying, uh, you know, like more than likely you're not going to have a contract in place for a tool, you know, for a free tool. Like almost all cases, you would not have a contract in place. It's going to be something via DM even, could be as simple as DM. Like you could never even get on email. You could just have that whole conversation on an Instagram DM and then they send it to you. Or, you know, it's probably going to be via email or some form or fashion. Uh, but again, having in there. So don't think that you need a contract, but just because you don't have a contract doesn't mean you don't need to set expectations. So have that in there and and there. So the flip side of it is what does that, what do you owe that company in the sense that, because um, I know that there are accounts that we've talked to, John, that was like, well, Let's say they make turned bowls, okay? And they are mm. an amazing turner. And when you go and look at their Instagram feed, it is all finished product of turned bowls. Well, they might have 100,000 followers, but guess what? No company is going to want to give them product because their product will never see the light of day. So it's it's also that you have to look at the style of your content. And we've had that conversation with folks before as well. It's like, hey, listen, you know, they're talking, we've had the conversation with folks that were in that, you know, 50 to 100,000 range. And they were like trying to figure it out. And we looked at their feed and we're like, hey, listen, you don't add any value to these tool companies because you're never showing yourself doing work in progress. You're always showing beauty shots. And, you know, back in the day, that was also something, and we still think it's true. It's like, we think that you should be adding those, not just so you have an opportunity to show people's product at all. It's because people want to know the story. They want to see the product being built, they want to know how you're doing it. That gets them invested in you and the process and the final product. So it, it's a win-win because then you also have the opportunity to talk about your processes and your tooling and all these other things. Uh, but that would be the the expectation of anybody giving you product is that your content is going to look similar to the content that you've produced in the past. Meaning if you're showing your tools a lot and all of a sudden you send it and you're never showing that tool, they're not going to be getting what they're what they're asking for. Uh, and then on the flip side, your audience is expecting if you're only showing finished beauty shots, if all of a sudden every other shot is a shot of you using a purple tool, uh, you know, front and center and you're, you know, you can barely even see what you're doing because it's all about the tool. That's going to be an issue for them. So you have to live yeah, that it's balance. Not passive. It's like a, it's like a sales copy then. Like you're, you're like, Hey, go buy this. It's like, wait, you never do that. Why are you doing that right. all of a sudden? It doesn't look right. And, and you can stage into that. I mean, it doesn't mean that if you've never done it in the past, you can't do that. But it has to be it has to be organic. It has to be natural for it to come across as not slimy. Right. I mean, that's the whole thing. And that's a huge struggle. I mean, John, like we struggle with that all the time. Right. John? Like even if there's a company that you totally love, uh, you know, sometimes it's just not going to come off like for certain people. It's going to be like, why are you doing this? But like, I don't know for you, John, like I think you do an awesome job with Duke Cannon. But yeah. you would think that. You know, if you look back at your content four years ago, a 
body wash would not fit well <laughs> into no. the into your content. It was all about woodworking and making and that stuff. But then as you've branched out and done more lifestyle stuff and done more content and you add all this humor and these things that now that works. So that that's like a great example of like you love Duke Canning, you use them, you think they're awesome and then you're able to work with them versus like it wasn't like you were doing all this hardcore woodworking and all of a sudden Duke Cannon approached you and was like, hey, we want you to rip our soap. And you're like, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm putting on some American flag shorts and pushing a bulldozer. Like that's yeah, not how it went. No. And, and, and that's kind of goes back to like our branding strategy, right? It's like, I've always made my brand, my name for the reason that it's about me. And I've started to push that a little bit more into my content strategy. And that gives me opportunities to work with brands that are outside of just say tools or in the shop kind of stuff. Um, it's like the, it's the reason that in a lot of your content, it's I'm Brad Rodriguez from fix this bill that like you're a person. So that, that lends itself to other opportunities, but you're hundred percent. Like we get uh, a couple of our, a couple of our friends recently did a, a, a popcorn um, sponsorship. And, and I was, and I was texting Brad on the side. I was like cracking up about it. And, but the, the, the 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 two influencers who did it um they did a fantastic job of making sure it was integrated into the lifestyle that they portray on their feed it wasn't like a staged like i'm eating popcorn in the shop when you never eat popcorn in the shop it's like no like i'm a huge movie buff i'm watching movies all the time i'm always talking about movies on my feed and in my stories and like when i'm watching movies i eat popcorn like it goes hand in hand and so you could see those kind of opportunities are there and it's not a massive change from the norm within your content um if you're someone that does Exactly. I love that example of the bowls. Like if you're something that's finished product all day long and your entire goal of your brand is to sell custom work for you to go and start doing tool reviews just to get free tools is a leap. It's a stretch. Um, but like, you know, that's something you, 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 you definitely need to be considering before you jump into any relationship with any brand, even if it's a brand that adds value to what you're doing is, is, is perfectly on point with where you want to be. You have to make sure it fits that content strategy because that is hugely important. Hugely important. Yeah, I, I can't say enough. And so uh, let, let's hit the let's hit let's kind of reel into the back end of this conversation, which is you know kind of the title of the episode is like, are you worth free product, right? So how how starting out? So we've kind of been walking through where we're at stuff, but how starting out do you think? You know, at what point do you think that somebody should go ask for free product or should be even be thinking about that. So first off, I will say that the bigger you are before you ask for anything for free, the better that relationship is going to work out long-term. It's in any sense, the larger the following you have, the more you're going to be able to do and ask for. Um, the smaller you are, the more at the mercy of whomever you're speaking with or, or trading with uh, you're going to be. Um, so it, to put a number on it, like grow your audience as large as you possibly can before you ask for anything. Why? Because then you're going to be bringing more value to the table and it's not just going to be a complete ask. Say, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with being a small, having a small audience and asking for product uh, if you feel comfortable with it. But I will say that in the real world, if you have 100 followers and you're asking for free product and a brand is is large enough to be able to give you that, you're going to be at their mercy. They're going to want more from you because you're smaller. You don't bring the exposure that a larger account does. They're going to be having a lot more asks. And you're going to have to tailor what your strategies are and what you're doing in order to fit those in most cases, as far as being an influencer goes. Now, if you're a huge brand that's recognized and then you just happen to have a small social media following, that's different. You know what I mean? Like if you're, I don't know, 
selling a ton of stuff and people recognize you uh, and you're working with a brand and, and you just happen to just get on Instagram, like, okay, that might be a little different, but that's an outlier perspective. I'm saying like, if you're someone who's focusing on growing an Instagram following for the sake of working with brands and you're like, oh, I got a hundred followers, like, let's reach out to someone now. Um, that's fine if you feel comfortable with it. But if they're like, hey, we want 20 posts over the next 50 days, like you're not going to have a rebut. Like you're going to be kind of at their mercy because you're a smaller account. But if you have a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand followers and they're like giving you ridiculous asks, that's when you could come back with, uh, well, at the size of my following now, I feel like, you know, five posts would be something right. that is, you know, much you more have, in line with my content strategy. Just have more and, hand. And you have. Yeah, exactly. The smaller you are, the more at the mercy of the brand you're going to be. The larger you are, the more you're going to be able to make it a relationship because you're bringing value on an equal like. Brad has a larger social media following than 95% of the tool companies in our community. So when they are looking at working with him, you have a little more leverage in the game. So you can also grow that following wherever you want and however you want before you're tied to brands, right? Like, you know, you could have got into a lot of crazy tool stuff early on if you weren't working on an exclusive contract, but you wanted that for like, that was a business move for you to be working with rigid when you were, uh, when you were working with them. And so it, it's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a strategy thing. Right. Yeah. And it, it took the opportunity to work with other brands off the table for you, but it was also something that you felt was a massive value add to your audience. And I think you did a fantastic job of um, when you were, when you were working with them and growing that brand. So on the flip side of things, if you're reaching out to a tool company that has a small following and you're a small, uh, you know, you need to be working the angles to grow together, right? You need to be working the, like, I understand that you can't do, you know, virals, crazy edits that are cool and fun, but I can, here's what I'm looking. I think I can do this with this tool. I think I can do this to bring value to your brand. How would you guys like to work together? That's another strategy and way to go about it. Um, and, and so you got to be able to have perspective, right? It's not just a gimme, gimme, gimme kind of game. Yes. And I think that's where a lot of small and younger accounts kind of kind of falters like gimme 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 yeah because they're they're feeling like oh my god i gotta say yes and it's i i like the idea of perspective because it's it's also perspective in the sense of it's a sliding scale right so if i'm asking the the huge you know if i'm going to ford and being like yo i'd like to get a new truck uh yeah, like you're the third biggest brand on the planet <laughs> right like they're not <laughs> gonna care uh if if yeah. i go to the the new company who's doing the magnetic armband you know that hold the hold screws and they've got 15 followers. Uh, You're asking for equity in the company. Right. Like, well, but if I'm a small influencer, then, then right, that, like, not me personally, yet, right. So even, yeah, Ford ha cares none about who I am. But if I'm somebody who has 500 or 1,000 followers and a company's just coming on the scene, they get 100. Now, all of a sudden, it's, it's flipped. So it is in relationship to the company as well. Because there are so many of these small companies, like you said, that are just getting on Instagram. And some of them are larger, but some of them are brand new that have very, very niche. I had a brand reach out to me recently that was doing like all they were doing was, um, was, uh, driving bits, screw, screw driving bits, like Torx and Phillips. And they had like mm -hmm. a magnet on them. I was like some, you know, magnet pal or something actually looked pretty cool. But, uh, you know, I looked at that and I was like, listen, guys, <laughs> like my thing was, I just like, there's no way you're going to be add, able to add enough value for me because of like the price point of your product. Like I would have yeah. to sell so many for it to be worth your while to even talk about a relationship. Uh, your product looks cool. Uh, you know, 
whatever, like, you know, send it over and I might use it. I didn't even say that. Cause I was just like, I didn't, I didn't want that tie. Same thing. Like I said, no, because I, cause I knew that there wasn't, I wasn't going to be able to add enough value for them, for them to be able to give me what I would want to make it worth my time. So it, it was not mutually agreeable. It wasn't, it wasn't good. Uh, real quick. I did want to hit on this cause I don't think we've ever talked about it. And I've, I've, I talk about it on my, uh, on my IG lives, uh, here and there, but I've not talked about it here. So I did just want to make, uh, cause I think this ties in a quick comment on your rigid thing. So if you don't know, or if you've been watching my videos and stuff, um, so you, you've probably seen some new tools coming in the shop, uh, some DeWalt. And now I got actually some Makita and some Milwaukee because I am part of this tool review program that John talked about this year. I've never done that in the past because I was with Rigid and I was exclusive with them. Uh, I am not any longer for, for 2019. And just want to hit that real quick is that that was a business decision by Rigid. So I didn't say, hey, like I'm out of here. I'm done with Rigid. Yeah. I'm moving on. Uh, and it was not with the people that I was working with. It was like, you know, a, a decision from the top. That was one of those things Like there was new management and they said, hey, we want to see ROI from these things uh, from all of our social media. And basically it was kind of a there was a whole bunch of people. Basically, the entire program was like stopped. And so like that is a great example of I invested a lot of time and a lot of space on my channel and everything. And, and that was a fantastic, like, I love that relationship. I would absolutely do it again. And I would still absolutely recommend Rigid Tools. They have, uh, you know, great products and a great lifetime service agreement. But um, in the end, it was a business decision. And they said, hey, look, we, we can't work with you any longer. We would, you know, the people, my contacts, they were like really torn up about it. But guess what? It was a business decision and this is business. And they dropped me and I'm sitting there like, uh, OK, right. Because like, right, John, I'm, I'm like the rigid dude. And so now I have, so that's, that's the flip side of it is like, I've invested all this time and effort. And like my shop has so many orange tools in it is now, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to partner up with Home Depot and get in this tool review program where it's a, a very seamless transition out of that because I'm getting all these different tools instead of having to go and talk to, and talk directly to Milwaukee and DeWalt and Makita and be like, Hey, I'd like to test some of these out and like try to work my way through this and figure out, you know, now that I can get my hands on some different tools, like what I like. And in any way, like when you tie yourself really strongly to one company, you got to always remember, like that's a business relationship and they could drop you. Like I never, I did not see that coming. I'll be straight up honest with you. I never thought that day would come. I thought the day would come where they would back off, but I never thought the day would come where it would just be a full court drop. And so it was a great yeah. lesson in like diversification and also just never holding anything too tight as far as, you know, being secure in what it is. Uh, and because I am a content producer, like, you know, again, I'm still going to keep those tools in the shop, but now I've got a conversation that I need to have with my audience about, Hey, why are you switching tool brands and what's, what's going on had to do it? Remember? Yeah. Like, oh it was yeah. Huge. When Spags and with Festool decided to go a different direction. And like, I think Spags did a fantastic, Spags did almost like as comparable in my eyes, a job of bringing Festool to the eyeballs in which he was producing content as you did with bringing rigid to the world of Instagram. Like, uh, and so in that it's business, right? Like, Brands grow, they get to a certain point and then they have to make moves and, and that stuff happens. And, um, he had that conversation. I distinctly yeah. remember him having it did like, like a blog know, post so with it. Like what happened to festival? Yeah. And, and he still works at festival, you know, right. I work with festival. And he still uses them in the show. Exactly. And he still use it in his shop and it's going to be the same way for me. Like, even if I'm not, yeah. and I think that's, I, I think that's, what's really, you know, what really, when you start working with these brands and you have to say is like, would you be using this product if they weren't paying you? 
And now there's there's some caveat there, right? Because same thing as as Mark did, like once he was out of them, he got like he got rid of his capex because he was like, yeah, like I will use the capex because I'm exclusive with them, but like I don't need it, and it's out of the reach of a lot of people. And so he got rid of the capex and some other things. But he you know uses this Domino all the time and loves uh, you know I think like the Sanders and some different things that their tools are just way better. Same thing with the Ridge. There's you know I've used them for a long time, but now as I get into the others, there are like some of my favorites, like rigid compact router, like is amazing. I love it. Yeah, it's great. And I have three. Yeah. Like all their, <laughs> their lights. I love their cordless belt sander. I mean, there's a lot of tools that I'm going to keep of rigid and still use them. But then there's other tools that I'm like, I, I want to check this out. Like I've, there's some really cool new tech in like subcompacts on the market. Rigid doesn't have subcompact drills. So like see, getting these subcompact drills, I'm like, dude, this is pretty cool. Yeah. And so, you know, what is that? What does that look like? Uh, and just, you know, think about those things. And that's way down the road. But uh, as far as talking about exclusivity, because that's, you know, a whole nother thing. But when you're first starting out and you've got those people, you, you have to understand, you're getting back to that conversation. If you've got 50 or 100 followers, so when does it make sense to reach out? If you've got 50 or 100 followers, you know what? That might not be too soon if you're trying to work with a company who's also got 50 or 100 followers. It'd be like, yo, let's let's like do this together. Uh, but it's it's also not about the direct numbers, but it's more about what type of content and how does it fit with your brand? So you know, I think that's the thing is, is I'm with you, John, like I would never, I rarely ever, you know, you're much more aggressive. Like when we first started having the conversation, I was, I was like, dude, how are you reaching out to these brands? Uh, yeah. Because I would <laughs> always wait because I always like to have that hand to know, like, I, I hate reaching out because then I feel like, oh, now I've got to, like, I have to give more than I want to. Or I just like, I just don't want to have to be in that position where I'm like, what, well, how much should I, how much should I offer? What should I say I'm going to do for them? Uh, versus when somebody comes to me, typically they're like, Hey, what, you know, a lot of times they're like, Hey, we, we just love to have you try it and let us know what you think. And like, that's an expectation that you'll also get out there. So if somebody sends you a free product, uh, sometimes they'll be really cool and they won't care. They'll just say, Hey, we'd love to get your thoughts. And that's all they ask for. And then they might say, we'd love to, if you, if we saw it, we'd love it. And of course, in the back of their mind, they're hoping you do. But if they're truly setting that act out there as an expectation, like you don't have to show it. We just love your thoughts. Then that's awesome. And if it's a really great product, and I think that's what a lot of them hope will happen. Like you'll, you'll use it, you'll love it. And it'll just make its way into your content. Not because they're, they've made this agreement with you, but because you really want to use it. Right. That's, yeah, that's the win-win. Yeah, that is the win-win. So like, that's why I was, I am still so aggressive on reach on, if I want a tool, I'll reach out to a brand first because I can bring that passive placement over a vast array. You're getting so much more value, but my channel is also at that size. Like I used to have to do a lot more to work with brands in that capacity in the past. And because I've continued to grow the channel the way I've wanted in all of my channels, I have that opportunity now that I can work with brands and I, and I, and I'm not pretty much working with only the brands that I want to be working with. And, and I'm fortunate in that. Right. But I, I would like to, you know, point out that I have sold myself out to brands that I didn't necessarily, that didn't necessarily align with what I was doing long-term that I've had to come back from. And I've actually had to apologize. Um, you know, I have a lot of brands that expected direct conversion and sales um, and I've, and, and that's the next thing you need to be considering in these relationships is like, what's a, what's the brand looking for? Are they looking for a post or like, cause Brad touched on slightly with the rigid stuff. They were looking for a lot more ROI and conversion metrics. And that's very hard to do as an influencer, especially on a platform like Instagram, 
where there's no direct linking in your posts, right? right. You have to go to the profile and you have to go to the bottom of it and you have to click yeah. the link and then you're hopefully getting driven to something and you only have one opportunity to give a link. So it's, it might sound like it's not that hard, but it's pretty hard to sell on Instagram. It is um, really hard to do, sell directly yeah, on swipe Instagram. Up helps and, and especially tools. Now here's a piece of advice that I know a lot of you are going to be able to hopefully get something out of is that large numbers and metrics on tools um, like a, like a, say a table saw or a planer, you're spending thousands of dollars on these tools, right? And working with those brands is a fantastic opportunity. Like if you can all day long, just understand that if a brand that is selling a tool at that price point is looking for direct conversion, you're going to be selling to a market of individuals just like you. And none of us just off the cuff buy a table saw right. or a planer, right? Shop around, you shop price, you look for pr- price uh, changes in the time frame in which that happens is, you know, 15, 30, 60 days yeah, and months also, or, or years. Yes. They're also very uh, large price points like I touched on. And so having a relationship in which a brand is looking for direct conversion on those types of products is it's quite hard. I have one right now um, and I struggle a ton and I feel really bad about it because I'm like, like, man, I thought I'd be these things would be flying off the shelves. But like what I'm finding is like some buyer will reach out, ask me a ton of questions. I'll have a phone call or a conversation and it'll be fantastic. And then when the price point on the product is in the X thousands of dollars, they're like, man, I, all right, I got to save up. And it's eight months later before that. They right. buy it. And your, and then your cookie has expired cookie's gone. Yeah, <laughs> from like I'm when, good. right? Because that's how they track. I was just having this conversation with a guy. And so and, and so just be aware of that beforehand. He, now, now go ahead. Yeah, well, I was having a conversation with a guy about this conversion and, and about how to show a brand value. And, you know, my point was like, there's only two ways to show value. It's either showing value for impressions, which would yeah, be awareness. awareness or showing value for conversion. There's nothing in between, right? You're either just getting the name brand out there <laughs> or you're selling the actual product. And there's, there's lots of things underneath those. But in the traditional marketing sense, you can go to a, a CPM, a cost per mill, where mill is a, a thousand impressions, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where, like, that's what YouTube pays us on for AdSense. So that's like if, if Ford wants to run an ad on a YouTube video, they pay a certain CPM and then we get a portion of that as YouTube influencers with an AdSense account. Uh, Or you can do CPC, which is cost per click. And that's a little bit different as like, okay, not just an impression, but an actual click, but that's still not conversion. So that's kind of, you know, we talk about that 100, 10, 2. That's kind of the 10, that next step in the stage. And then obviously the sale is if they do that. But the problem with the sale is that the only way to track a sale for any company online is if they've clicked through a link or they've used a coupon code. So either they visit a site, they've got a cookie or a pixel or some kind of tracking. They were at some site that that featured that content. Then they clicked a link that was either trackable, whatever. Uh, and there, there's different ways to do it. But uh, or they use a coupon code. So that, you know, is specific. So it doesn't matter where they came from. Uh, So the coupon code is going to be the best bet because that one does like if they if it's still valid a year later, uh, they could use. So, so, you know, we talk about Woodcraft, our sponsor today. Uh, Woodcraft is looking at like how many times is the code MFP being used? That's how they know. Right. Because this is another thing. Right. We do have a link in the show notes, but it's audio. Like you're obviously not clicking anything. You're going straight to your phone and typing it in. Right. So if you're not using that code, how do they know that we sent you? 
that is the hardest thing. And there's just not numbers on that. Like, we don't even know what that, like, is it, is it 2%? Is it 10%? Is it 50% of people that buy that are trackable and all the rest are just through influence like that? That is the hardest thing to prove. And that, um, you know, those are the things that if you're looking to work with a company and they're leading out with, Hey, we want to track conversion. You're going to have a hard time. If it's in the, you know, several hundred to thousand dollar range, if it's consumables, those are much easier to sell. Like you could sell some dust masks and some earphones because those are impulse buys. But yeah, and they're not thousands. Of no, you're right. not taking out a new mortgage. Yeah, something like under a hundred bucks. You you know, if, if somebody sees a good product and you've got a coupon code or something, yeah, like people be like, oh yeah, I want that. Uh, but no, they're <laughs> everybody wants a massive CNC, but not everybody is going to be able to buy that right off the cuff. They're going to go do the research and read the forums and exactly. watch all the videos and you know, all those things. And that's the other thing, John, too, right? Like you could lead them down that path. But what if you lead them down that path and then the last person that they watch their video? So maybe it's like a bunch of influencers that have gotten them there. And you're one of those straws on the proverbial camel's back, like, right, that's going through there. And eventually that person buys, but they heard about the product through you, but they bought through, you know, Johnny 5000, who was the last person to post about it. So and, and so that, you've all kind of contributed, but you get nothing out of it. And then maybe Johnny 5000 gets the link click. <laughs> right. And you're, yeah. you're like, and, wait a minute. So, <laughs> and that's and that's that's the name of the game. Right. I mean, like, so you have to set that precedence beforehand. And I think like that's where we're kind of trying to loop back to in the conversation is that if you're trying to create awareness, build your relationship on awareness. If you're trying to sell, build your relationship on sales. Then you need to go and understand how you're going to incorporate it into your content strategy for your brand and go whichever route you want to go. Brands will reach out and give you coupon codes and offer codes. And like I'm working with a brand right now on building on some uh, home stuff for a bed. Uh, Completely different, right? I'm not doing a bunch of bed ads all the time, um, which is something that a lot of like Bob does it and kills it. And I know about Casper because of Bob. And that's that's awesome. But Bob's not posting himself in a bed on Instagram ever like right. it's, it's a, you, so you could see how that relationship isn't as much awareness as it is value and that's how you know that's how you do it so make sure you have that concept in your head before you get into it as a smaller account you're probably not going to have the opportunity to wheel and deal on those kind of things early but just understand the dynamic of a presence versus conversion um and and realize that brands are looking for one or the other um, if they're looking, you know, and you need to garner whatever you're bringing to the table for that brand to whatever side of that conversation they want to be on. And both of them are highly valuable. Like we know we Woodcraft going back to that example, like we love working with them because they do understand both sides of the spectrum. Um, and, and we're super like Brad and I don't have codes for our personal accounts because we know that the audio and what we bring to you guys here on MFP and the MFP code is way more valuable than uh, us having a link buried one time on a post on Instagram. So, you know, that code lives there. It's always there for you. Um, and we love that. We love that Woodcraft is willing to work with us in that capacity. Um, and that was a conversation we had with them, you know, and so that's, that's an opportunity you have with, with brands. And so when you get into those situations, um, you know, just understand the dynamic of the business relationship, as well as there is a human being on the other end of that conversation that has to report to someone and you have to make your relationship with them worth something. So they can report to their superiors and say, hey, you know, 
John and Brad are killing it for us. They're doing this much and they have metrics and they can have a report and all that. They can't just say, oh, I love that guy. Because I ran into that too, where they're like, we love working with you, man, but we're just not seeing the return. But, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and that happens. It's all that's, about the return. Business. It's all about that's the business, return. And, and some of them, but some companies are going to be cool with working with you just because they love you. Like that's the yes. thing is it's going to be different and you'll, you'll see it well, as you start working you? with it. You're them. consistently promoting their products. You are creating awareness. You're having a conversation. You're doing all the things outside. Right. And and they're good with that. The expectations. And they're and good they're with good. the intangibles. Yeah. But you set that expectation early. So. Yeah. And there's just some expectation that they're like, we know this is good for our brand. And so we're going to keep investing in this. Yes. And then three yeah. years later, when a new president comes, then that story is going to change. <laughs> yeah. And, and you got to be ready for that as a business too. I mean, that's a whole other conversation, but I think I'm glad we touched on it because I know it was something um, that, you know, kind of caught you off guard and we had a little like Sarah McLaughlin playing in the background <laughs> when you called and I, I had, uh, I had to talk to, talk to, talk to Brad about, you know, yes. keeping it together. And, yeah. but, but no, I mean, no, in all seriousness, I was in the arms of an angel with you, John. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and in, in all, in all fairness, uh, one thing I learned in business school, it stuck with me is that anytime your business gets to be being in the, in the, this wasn't your situation, but 70% of your income is coming from one source in your business. Uh, you need to diversify and change quickly because your business can crumble. Um, and that happens a lot with the influencer stuff. You're banking on two or three brand relationships and one of them has to make a change. Boom, you go down and then you're, you're struggling to keep the doors open. Um, and so, you know, you don't want to ever put yourself in that kind of situation. Uh, and <clears throat> that's just common business practice. Uh, but it does apply to the influencer space too. So, um, you know, kind of coming up on the hour here, uh, wrapping up this conversation, I thought this was really strong and I wanted to touch on something too, is that like we pull this kind of topic from our patron questions. Uh, we pull it from the, the Facebook patron group. We pull it from the Facebook main group. So if you guys aren't engaged, uh, on Facebook, you make sure you're heading on over there. You're heading to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash forward slash made for profit tribe. Uh, we also have the made for profit patrons. Um, if you are a patron, you get exclusive opportunity to jump in there. That group is sizzling hot right now. Uh, we've got, we've got, this is what I love about the MFP tribe. We've got people putting posts up weekly now and people are expecting them. We don't even like garner this. I mean, it is it's awesome like, to see that yeah. stuff. But if you're wondering where we're getting show topics like this one, Boom, you need to get in that Facebook group. Like that's where it's happening. Uh, really, really awesome stuff over there. Absolutely. Enjoy that, guys. And and uh, uh, you can head over to the show notes for the other ones. Nothing real in this one. Uh, but when we have the links, you can head over to madeforprofit.com forward slash episode 111 or whatever episode you're listening to and head those up. So right now, though, we're going to go talk to our patrons in the patron after show. All right, man, let's do it. Let's do it.